Before we begin, if you're a movie maker looking to double your budget, check out Movie Maker Production Services at moviemaker.com slash MMPS. We use our network of industry contacts to get you exactly what you need for half what you would normally pay. Again, that's moviemaker.com slash MMPS. Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and today my guest is Todd Flaherty, the writer, director, and star of Chrissy Judy. Chrissy Judy is one of the best movies I've seen this year, all the more impressive because it was made for under $20,000, and it definitely had the advantage of surprise when I saw it recently at the Provincetown International Film Festival, one of my favorite festivals. My first impression was how beautifully shot it was. It turns out that that's largely thanks to Todd's cinematographer brother, Brendan, who also works on Saturday Night Live. The film was also exquisitely acted, with Todd playing a young gay drag artist named Judy and Wyatt Fenner playing his drag partner, Chrissy. Although they're drag partners, they're not partner partners, and a lot of the tension of the movie comes from us in the audience thinking, why not? The film delves into that question when Chrissy goes off to explore a new relationship, leaving Judy behind in New York to determine who he really is. If you think I'm messing up pronouns here, I'm not, I promise. Chrissy and Judy are men who dress up as women but don't identify as women, although they do occasionally use female pronouns kind of for fun. The movie never explains this or a lot of things that might be unfamiliar to heterosexual audiences, and that's one of the things that makes Chrissy Judy so good. It's a classic show-don't-tell in the vein of Richard Linklater or Whit Stillman films. They feel kind of like hangouts and then catch you totally off guard as you go from watching the characters almost anthropologically to feeling like they're dear friends who you adore, respect, and yes, find infuriating at times. It's truly immersive and has a give-no-fucks feel that pairs nicely with its cinematic elegance. This is a film that embraces the messiness of life while making everything look gorgeous. You can read a few of my thoughts about it at moviemaker.com, or better yet, see the film for yourself at Outfest in Los Angeles this coming weekend. And now, here's our guest, Todd Flaherty. We just kind of started talking, so I will drop you in right here. I read that you made this movie, and if you ever, if you don't want to talk about budgets. Oh yeah, sure. No, I would happily talk about it. Yeah. Like you made this for first. I thought this looked incredible. That's that's thank you. Like, that's that's something. my brother, our cinematographer. Like he's such a genius. And um, yeah, the story behind it is um, in 2019. I was like out in LA, had a producer. We were set to make this for like 150, wow. um, which was at that point we were like, oh my god, how are we going to pull this off? And um, the pandemic hit and our main investor was like, Hey, I'm so sorry, but like, I got to pull out and we were trying to make things work. And then we were like, Oh, this is serious. The world is shutting down. We're not filming the movie this summer. And, um, my brother works on Saturday night live. And so he's always crazy busy. And, um, that summer things had slowed down for everyone. And I was living up here and I was like, Hey, I, I wrote a short film. I just need to stay creative. And a couple of our investors were like, keep the money, make something, go make art. So oh. he and I made this short film together that did a few of the festival circuits last year. And um, it was great. And we always worked well together, but it's just a matter of like finding time to make it happen. And by, I guess the fall of 2021, I was like stressing again, trying to find money to make the film. And he was like, you know what? Let's just fucking do it. Let's figure out how to do it. 
And um, yeah, crazy. I just had some money saved up. We had a few investors who came in and what set us at that 20,000 mark was um, the big stressor was all the actors that we wanted to work with were SAG and SAG just released this thing where you could do, um, they call it their, it's like a micro budget or something like that. So anything shot under 20K, um, actors negotiate their own salary and you don't have to pay into um, certain, you know, whatever their like retirement fund is and stuff like that. So it saved a lot of money there. And then we were just, you know, asking a million favors and using scotch tape. And I, I, my brother literally did the work of like seven people. He was incredible. And pretty much everything that you see is all natural light, except anything that's in like a stage space. So we really didn't work with any lighting. And his wife came on as our, um, she's this like beautiful Brazilian woman who's multi-talented. And um, we had, we taught her how to run sound. So she was our sound mixer on set. <laughs> it was it was it was a family affair yeah um of course there were like some foibles along the way and you know there were days where we had to use these like terrible lav mics that we bought on amazon as like backups and we were like oh shit we have to use these backups now but um but yeah it came together magically and um yeah we I, i i still watch it and i'm like okay wow we really did that for like next to nothing so it somehow came together (laughs) Well, most movies that are $20,000, they shoot in like a cabin and it's like people discussing their relationship and you <laughs> in New York, people are, people are still discussing Fire Island, yeah. but like, you're like mm-hmm. more illustrating the relationship than, yeah. um, than just people talking it out. Like, and it's such a good show don't tell because nobody's really that expressive about how they're really feeling. Um, you just have to like gather it, which is mm-hmm. such good storytelling. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That was something that we kept coming back to um, with the writing because the script was originally like probably a hundred pages. And before we started production, I was like, okay, well, all of these things, we're just not going to be able to shoot with our money. And it ended up like whittling down to be about 85 pages. And I kept saying like, okay, show, not tell, show, not tell, like what, what's essential here. Um, And it turned into this really simple, you know, despite all of the settings of the film, it turned into this really simple, um, thing where the heart of it is just about like this person who is trying to figure out how to be alone and um, that journey of like discovering yourself in solitude despite like needing that external validation from friends and lovers and things like that so yeah yeah do you think it is about him figuring out how to be alone because I kind of felt like it was about these two guys who should be together like these friends and like a duo who should be together and can't be for just like the terrible usual reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually love having this conversation and obviously the ending is sort of open-ended because I want people to walk away feeling like whatever they might connect with. Um, I know definitely like in the queer community, anyone who's seen the film or who I've talked about the film to says, Oh my God, I had this friend or I had this exact same thing happen to me where you have, there's something, this bond, this like sacred bond that gets um, created between two people who don't share a sexual connection where you feel like because that element is removed and the romance is removed, that you can just be your whole self with this person in a way that feels sometimes difficult in romantic relationships, at least, you know, for young gay men. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it is like you 
see how they balance each other and you see how they could be good for each other, but you also see like how terrible Judy is for Chrissy's <laughs> at times and vice versa. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I do like to leave it up to interpretation, but um, I love that your takeaway was that like there could have been a chance for them or there still potentially could be a chance for them um, under different circumstances or like with a different, you know, type of growth from Judy. Yeah, I feel like Chrissy feels like like he's growing up by, I'm just going to use their drag names, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, please, yeah. I feel like he's growing up, he thinks he's growing up by like getting into this stable relationship in Philadelphia. Yeah. But he's not necessarily happy. I think he's happy there, but he's not like euphorically happy. Like I think he's like happier. I think he's having the most fun of his life with Judy. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the other thing that we were trying to explore is this idea of like, um, you know, what's happened in the gay community since marriage equality, which is amazing, is this idea that like we should start to operate under these heteronormative relationships and live that lifestyle because we have the ability to now. And a lot of people want to. Um, Wyatt, the actor, has been in a very stable long-term relationship and they're monogamous and he loves that. I don't know if I should be saying all this stuff, but like it's his personal um, thing to share. But uh, but um, that's something that he really values and he's grateful that he gets to have that experience. And then I think there are people like me, like Judy, who say, I like that I have the option to have that, but also is that right for me? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the other thing that like Chrissy is exploring in the film is saying like, he has told himself this narrative that that's what he wants. He wants the comfort of a long-term committed monogamous relationship. And so he's finally got it. And I think there are growing pains in that. Um, and there are these moments of, you know, he walks away and thinks like, oh man, I, you know, had this blow up with my friend and I really fucked up and I don't know how to be with him right now. And when they come together at the end of the film, after, you know, we as the audience see all the struggles that Judy goes through to kind of like find that inner peace, but Chrissy hasn't seen any of that. He just shows up and sees like this fully formed human that seems like they've been doing a lot better without him. So there's that kind of crushing thing too for Chrissy where it's like, oh, maybe I was actually the one holding this person back. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of bittersweet connection there for them. Yeah, I. I love their dynamic and it's so tragic. And I do feel like maybe we're meeting them in like year, you know, five of a 50 year relationship. Like totally. I, I, yeah. I'm very hopeful for them. I don't know. Like you got me shipping them like, like to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Here's, maybe this is like a, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's like a before sunrise or something where yeah i was just gonna say yeah maybe we'll pick it up again in another 10 years with like an actual budget <laughs> this is one if you want to skip this i totally get it oh um, yeah no but how do you feel about woody allen and the reason i ask that is because it's like one thing you can say about manhattan whatever you mm. think of Woody allen it is beautifully shot mm. and there's a, and there's a part where i'm like is he like leaning into this or no? And then there's actually a Vicky Cristina Barcelona joke. And I was like, yes, okay. I know. <laughs> like there's awareness of Woody Allen. And, yeah. You know, I, to be fully transparent about, so you don't have to like walk on a minefield or whatever. No. Yeah. I really liked Woody Allen's movies and I 
sort of didn't know what had happened and then watched the documentary. And there's certainly disturbing stuff in it. And the honest answer for me is I don't know. Like, I just don't know what happened. Um, I think that you're not alone in that. And I feel that way too. Um, I will say this. His films greatly impacted me as a young person and as a filmmaker. And when we made, when I was writing this, I knew that I wanted it to be in black and white because I think there's something just inherently romantic about black and white films. And I wanted that to juxtapose this unromantic relationship and sort of like help build this, um, that sense of like, what is this? Who are, what are we watching? And then I think aside from that, there's also just something inherently timeless about black and white films. And I wanted it to feel like it could be taking place at any point in time. Um, yeah. So hmm. I watched Manhattan a bunch of times. I had seen it many times prior, but I sat down with my brother specifically to just say like, visually, like this is the landscape that I would love to emulate because it is just so, even if you hate the fucking movie, <laughs> like you can't, you can't <laughs> not look at it and see that it's beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, you know, um, the Vicky Cristina Barcelona thing was, again, that was like an impactful film for me, like in my early 20s. And um, there was a time when I was really digging his films. And of course, you know, you hear the rumors and you hear this and that. And then it's like, oh, how do you separate um, someone's art that they did years ago and from the person who they are and potentially were at that time or were at that time? Um, I guess my answer to that is right now. Um, I could never condone any behavior that I've heard that he's taken part of. And I can't say that I respect the man, but the work lives in a place in my heart that is special. And um, if it's possible, I would like to keep those two things separate. And yeah. maybe someone will tell me otherwise someday and the light bulb will click and I'll be able to do that. But right now, yeah, I guess um, I would be lying if I said that his work wasn't hadn't impacted me as a filmmaker and something that I wanted to like, you know, play with. But then of course there were like a bunch of other, like very subtly, there's a lot of um, gay film references in the film. Um, the last shot is supposed is like kind of emulates the last shot of um, Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. So it's just like little things like that with the costume that we were trying to do. Um, we made some nods to like some Judy um, films um, and it was nothing overt that would hit you over the head, but I just thought like, oh, for a film buff or for someone who is like into like these queer films, maybe they'll see that and like, it'll give them a little tickle here or there. And I kind of feel the same way about the Woody Allen thing. I think we, people bring up Manhattan a lot and people have brought up um, Noah Baumbach and um, uh, uh, Greta Gerwig's film, um, Francis Ha. And I think that there's, it, it's great, you know, and I think that the similarity there is just that you're talking about a black and white film that's about two friends. So like, you know, of course people are like, it's like that film. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is, I guess. So, <laughs> um, yeah. In, in terms of putting things into boxes um, and in terms of like, we have to categorize everything and it's like this. Right. Like, I, I always struggle with, as a reporter, what is the most helpful thing I can do? And I don't mean to like center myself. Yeah. What is the most helpful thing oh, please. For, for a film that I like? Like, is it helpful to say like, this is great queer cinema? Or is it helpful to say, hey, this is a great movie. I'm, you know, I'm not in the demo necessarily, but 
I think this is a great movie and I really enjoyed this movie. Like you might like it too, even if you're not gay, even if you're older, even if you're whatever. Um, yeah. Like, and, and I've talked to publicists about it who say, well, like we really need to like say all of the boxes that a movie might potentially fit into to help mm-hmm. promote it, like to help people find it and discover it. Do you come down on, do you have a position on that? Like, so I think I always say like two opposite things can be true at the same time. And what I feel about it is I started writing um, and started filmmaking because I was an actor in New York for years who just could not get work. And the last three or four years I spent in New York, every audition I had was to understudy a British actor who was playing a gay character on Broadway. I'm, I kid you not, like literally like every time I went in for something, it was like to understudy someone famous who was straight and playing a gay character. <laughs> and so, and that's fine, you know, it's great. Um, but I think for me, I my mission is to try to make queer things for queer people. Um, I think most queer films fall into three categories. They're either coming out stories, they're unrequited or like forbidden love stories, or there's some sort of like pandemic, uh, AIDS crisis, something like that. And that's great. Those are all valid films and there's new and different ways to tell those consistently. I wanted to show a totally different side of like the queer experience, which is this platonic gay friendship and the importance of that. But it doesn't exclude anyone else from watching it and feeling connected to it. So while my my hope is that I can continue to make queer things for queer people without having to like, you know, I've had straight friends watch it and say like, I didn't get that line or I didn't understand why uh, this guy's middle name is Francis and people call him Judy. Why? I'm like, well, Judy Garland's real name is Francis. And there was a moment where someone was like, oh, we should explain that more in the script. I was like, well, people will get it or they won't. And it doesn't matter. And if someone wants to look it up, they can, you know, but I'm not making this to like walk a straight person through the experience of like gay culture. But I think regardless of all of that stuff, I know so many people who have sat down and said, I connect with this and it's a great movie and I'm not gay, but I love it. Or I'm a lesbian and I love it. Or I'm, you know, a straight woman and I love it. Um, so I think it's both of those things, if that makes sense. Sorry, I feel like I was rambling a little bit, but um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so in terms of putting things into a box, yeah, it's about two drag queens. I mean, my God, it's it's like a, a queer film. Um, but I think that anybody can sit down and watch it and see that the heart of it really is just about like someone who is looking to discover themselves, love themselves, find love and that's just a universal thing yeah the drag queen part of it uh, it's funny because like the drag queens that you play early on is kind of what i picture when you say drag queen like it's campy and it's like very like over the top and then what i'm just totally giving away things in the movie so oh please no it's fine whatever yeah give it away (laughs) at the end like as a performer the the last two songs are beautiful they're absolutely beautiful and like they're haunting and they completely reflect what's happening in your character's heart and on screen and it's just Mm -hmm. it's just a really good performance I mean did you ever do drag before like did you sing before how did you 
So um, I had never done drag before. When I was writing this, I really wanted to come at it from, I really wanted to talk about what it means to be an artist and choose the artist's life versus um, choosing a more like uh, stereotypical path that's set forth for most of us. And I was like, okay, well, what's, uh, instead of making this about an actor or a writer, like, what can I make this about? And I was like, well, you know, drag is the queerest art form there is really. And I thought, how cool would it, it be to write about a character who feels his most authentic self with like a pound of makeup on and a wig and like all this stuff that um, externally removes him from the people in front of him. Um, and then as far as singing goes, I don't, I never considered myself a singer, um, but uh, my grandfather was a jazz pianist and my mom was an opera singer. So I have musical abilities and, um, and I just found things that fit right with me. And I thought like, yeah, without giving away too much, like what Judy discovers throughout the course of the film is that she's not a campy, like, hey, uh, sex jokes, kind of a queen. Um, she's someone who wants to go into a club and sing a torch song and um, is fine if there's like, you know, dinner chatter in the background because that's what, that's her vision of like success. Um, is, yeah, and there are plenty of performers who do that too. It's just, they're not like on drag race or whatever. Um, so you see a lot of those people up here in Provincetown actually. Um, and scattered about New York, and I'm sure LA and San Fran and Chicago and all of those great cities. So, um, yeah. So my journey with that was just that. Um, yeah. And we really lucked out. Um, a huge part of the budget was just trying to find songs that were in the public domain. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Um, we, we had to make sure that anything that the characters sang was in the public domain. And the one thing that we splurged on was the second to last song actually was an old Diana Ross song, but it was so obscure, remember me, um, that we were able to get it for a good deal. And um, yeah, <laughs> it was just like the lyrics were too perfect and the melody was too perfect not to incorporate it in that moment, which felt like so right, yeah. Wow, and this is, my setup to that whole question is just my ignorance of drag. It isn't like a dig on anybody at all. Oh no. Yeah. Stupid about drag. Not me saying like, I didn't know drag could be good. Uh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, I think good. a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Because we, we think of it as like a tool, a vehicle for comedy, which it is a lot of times, you know, or for um, something that's campy and offbeat and edgy and raunchy. And, and those things are all valid and the norm really. I feel like you like it's like the character in the movie who learns karate like in the middle of it when everybody else has been doing karate for 20 years and then you're like, right karate after like a month but like, <laughs> you came in like in real life and like in my mind just knocked the hell out of the art form like it was so good oh thanks thank you yeah I um I had a really great teacher or the my drag mother um a, I uh, a good friend of mine does drag um who is actually in the film out of drag the character um who is at the lake house who is showing them around and saying like oh we got these chairs so he is actually a phenomenal drag queen um he's an incredible artist and he did all the wigs and costumes for the film. Um, he's the head designer at Anthropology, So we just, we were like, please, anything that you can give us. He was like, you can have this, I'll make this wig, you can do this. And like, he really showed me all the tricks of the trade. So um, I did 
my own makeup every day that we were in drag on set. And I did uh, Wyatt's makeup um, when we were in drag just to give us sort of like that sisterhood similarity. And then the other queens who were in there, pretty much they all did their own. We, we had people who were already like, you know, well-versed in the art form. So yeah, it was lucky. It, it was, it, and like I said, it was just a huge community of people who came together and continued to say, yes, how can we help? How can we be of service? So. What's his name? Uh, the drag queen. Um, so uh, his name is Michael Myers, which is, you know, <laughs> a great name to have. <laughs> um, and his drag name is Maddie Milan. Um, he used to work a lot in Philadelphia. He's been sort of like busier and busier with his corporate, you know, design job. So um, he's been stepping away from performing. But if you're in Philly and you get the chance to see Maddie Milan somewhere, run, don't walk. It's great. It's, it's a great show. <laughs> Do you have a Philly connection or are you strictly New York? So I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Um, and then a huge part of writing this was, um, I actually was Christy. I, I moved to Philadelphia for a romantic relationship in 2018. And, um, I think it, this film was my way of kind of exploring like what I was committing to and what I felt like I had left behind and the people who I had had these experiences with, um, there are definitely like two beautiful people who are still in my life, who are my Judy's um whom I love dearly but like who I've had these explosive relationships with because you know it's hard to sustain friendships through romance I love that you're playing the Judy but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so well I wanted to challenge myself a little bit so <laughs> I thought that that was the better character to follow too so I was like you know the Chrissy character you could watch a movie about that person but I think the more interesting character is the one who's like unhinged, unraveling a little bit um, and who needs this other person to, you know, um, make them a little more stable. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, so it is autobiographical, but you're playing a different character than yourself, basically. Yeah. And, and so loosely, I mean, like, so barely autobiographical. Um, it, you know, of course, any writer takes a lot from their own life. Um, but I wouldn't say like, this was my experience. And I wrote about it. It was more just like, as I was having this experience, I thought, well, this could make for a great premise for um, how and why these two people disconnect. Um, and the struggle that they had to like get back together. So yeah. Um, in terms of like, getting the word out about this movie what do you really want people to know because i wrote a blurb about it today that was something like it was like a darkly comic um drag queen romance i think i said and it didn't feel adequate yeah i think we're like jokingly calling it like a platonic romance um <laughs> or like like a a a non-romantic romance. Um, yeah, in terms of getting the word out about it, I think um, it's so hard to put these things in a nutshell. I think what I would like for people to know is that it is a timeless story about friendship and self-discovery through art forms and through community, yeah. if that's a good sound bite. Um, which happens to be drag. Yes, which happens to be drag, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I feel like there are so many, like people have watched and been like, oh my God, there's so many like complicated things that you're just like kind of scratching at, but you, you don't necessarily like sit with. Um, I just think there's a lot of unexplored topics in the queer community that I was trying to like give a nod to their existence and what makes these relationships so complicated sometimes and why it's hard for, I think, you know, what I've said to people is we all have that friend who is our great friend and we like take them to our sister's wedding and, you know, like we go on vacations together and everyone is like, how come you're not with so-and-so you guys are great together. And it's like this precious thing that you don't want to disrupt with the potential for something to break it up. Um, And uh, yeah, and I guess that it's equally common in straight relationships, but I think there's something unique about like, um, someone could easily make this film about a straight man and a straight woman who are trying to maintain a friendship through finding romance themselves, you know? I think that's where the the hitch is, you know? Or that's what makes it easier for people to click into. I think if you look at it as like two straight women or two straight men trying to maintain a friendship through romance, there is a, there are similar things that can happen. Um, but there's that hitch of like, well, they could be together that, um, that makes it, that gives the film this kind of yearning of like, the audience wanting Chrissy and Julia to have um, a life together, regardless of whether or not it's romantic. Well, the other thing with this movie is, you know, with Her- when Harry Met Sally is like the, the head, right. you know, uh-huh. can men and women be friends? But then they're also, when you watch that movie again, they're quite rich. Like Billy Crystal <laughs> is insanely nice. Um, the <sighs> apartment is ridiculous. And that's not like, there's a factor with artists where, you know, there's no guarantee of success. And mm-hmm. for a long time is really struggling mm-hmm. and not sure where to go. So I thought that was like a big, comp- almost like a Jane Austen component of this story where I wonder if Chrissy is going for that stable relationship because it's also financially safe. Yeah, absolutely. And she says that in the beginning, she's like, I want to have a house someday. I want to, you know, like go on vacation. I want to have a boyfriend. And it's like, immediately we know, like, she feels like she cannot, I'm sorry. Sometimes I say he, and sometimes I say she, like in my head, I'm picturing Wyatt and drag. So there's she, Um, you know, and, and it's, it says it right off the bat. Like this Chrissy feels like he cannot have those things if he's pursuing a career as an artist, which he's been doing for years, we can imagine, um, and has probably come up against this feeling that like, in order to do that, he cannot have these things. Um, stability, mainly financial, romantic, yeah. One thing I loved about this movie was the pronoun game because like, <laughs> I'm always like, don't fuck it up. Like, don't mess up. Like, they like, don't do it or whatever. I know. kind of like, it's almost like you have to instinctually know it and get it right. And you can't really fake it. Like, I, I, I think I that it just, it, it, I think it's whatever's in your heart. I, I was having this conversation with my friend who saw the film and he was cracking up because he said his mom experiences the same thing where she says, well, you know, I, I sometimes I don't know if I should say he, she, or they, but you know, then like, 
five minutes later, his mom will say, oh, have you talked to your father recently? And my friend will be like, her? No, I haven't talked to her in a while. So I think that there is also in our film, uh, a component of comedy to the pronoun game, which is, you know, um, they call each other a lot of names in this film. Um, particularly when our like non-binary character Samoa is around. Um, yeah, so I think that there is, if you are queer and have ownership of your own pronouns, you can play with that a little bit. I found that it seems like people are more, um, I find that people my age and older are very respectful of like, I prefer this pronoun, you know, or I prefer that pronoun. And what I find interesting is I have a, a young cousin um, who is trans and uh, he is 13 and gets very huffy when someone messes up the pronouns. So I think that like the older people who are new into this um, vernacular have a little more grace with people. So I wouldn't stress about it too much, especially if you're here visiting town. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a... Or talking about the movie in any way. If you reference Chrissy or Judy as he or she, it's right because... Um, they are cisgendered men, but they are also drag queens. So yeah, I think I either is fine. That was Todd Flaherty, the writer, director, star of Chrissy Judy, which played at the Provincetown Film Festival. And the town that he just mentioned was Provincetown. You can also, of course, check out the film this coming weekend. It's on Friday at 7 p.m. PDT, July 15th at the Directors Guild of America Theater 1 again in Los Angeles, but maybe technically West Hollywood, it's that sort of border area that I believe splits at Fairfax. Uh, I think it's in West Hollywood. Go find out. Go find out and report back. If, like me, you now live closer to Provincetown than West Hollywood, or you just live nowhere near Outfest, um, you can also watch the film online. Give it a Google for details on how to do that. You can also like, review, star, heart, share, tweet, whatever, this podcast. Or visit us anytime at moviemaker.com, where we have our new cover story on Aubrey Plaza up. And our new issue of the print magazine with Aubrey Plaza will be out on newsstand soon. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter at MovieMakerMag, on Instagram at MovieMakerMag. Feel free to send us messages in bottles. Or you can just silently, mysteriously lurk and sop up great details of movies like Chrissy Judy. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.